Hi, I'm Mark Cuban, publisher of industry magazine Inside Film. I'm Jackie Keys, the editor of Inside Film. We're self-appointed experts in content and in making each other laugh. Welcome to our podcast, On The Tools, where we recommend things you should watch, listen to, read or scroll through. This week, it's an episode all about love. Love. I love love. (laughs) Everyone loves love. (laughs) So we're going to talk about two books, Sally Rooney's Beautiful World, Where Are You? Uh, Alan Budgeu in Praise of Love. TV show Starstruck, which is on the ABC. And next Netflix film, Love Hard. (laughs) That sounds like a porn. (laughs) (laughs) It does a little, but I can assure you it's not. What have you been reading? Um, Actually, and I do have to say before we start, we got a tick off from our producer, Hugh, last week. Why? So this this week we have to uh, not smack our lips or or say um. Uh, Not saying um, you just said um immediately after we're not allowed to say um. I know, but he didn't say anything about drinking. So uh, if you hear ice cubes. You know, we're having, we're having a drink. So what are you reading? Um, I'm reading Beautiful World, Where Are You? by Sally Rooney. And I thought maybe because, well, before I get into this, I want to talk about why you and I came up with this idea for this podcast. And it was to sort of help people navigate a sea of content by sort of directing them to things they might have missed. And I guess in that conceit, I wasn't really sure if we were allowed to talk about things we're watching or reading that are like super popular. Like we've talked about whether we should talk about succession because we're both obsessed by it. And, but like maybe everyone in the world is watching that show. So is that pointless? And you did meet Sook this week. I did. I went to the actors and she was on the red carpet and I got so excited. I was trying to take a photo of her that I walked into someone doing an interview. So I, there may be a blooper role of me on the internet as like some deranged woman just standing in front of a celebrity trying to take very unsubtle photos of another celebrity. And you walked the red carpet. Yeah, I didn't mean to. I didn't, I just didn't know how else to enter the venue. And then I was on there with celebrities and stuck. (laughs) And then you received a COVID. What was the COVID text? Uh, no, I just uh, everyone that went to the actors may have been exposed to COVID, which like Dave Hughes made a joke about on the stage that if you uh, if you tested positive for COVID, you just had to not tell anyone and lie. And everyone laughed thinking, ha ha, well, no, no one will have COVID here. Of course someone did. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, you've come up negative, which is a good thing. Yes, I have. Though I did have a sore throat, so there was like a, a – Three hours before I got my test results where I went into a deep spiral. (laughs) And we had someone in the office as well test positive for COVID. So Right after our Christmas party. It was a shit week. (laughs) But anyway, I guess going back to what I was saying, like I just with this book I thought, fuck it, I'm going to talk about this Sally Rooney's Beautiful World, Where Are You, which is probably one of the most anticipated books of the year. Like, there have been memes about it because they was there's so much branding that has gone in alongside this book coming out. So there's like a bucket hat, posters, bookmarks, badges, t-shirts, tote bags, pins. There was an enormous 
mural pop-up shop for it in London. Um, all this kind of height, which makes me start to feel like Sally Rooney books are maybe Harry Potter for women in their 30s. That sounds <laughs> like it. <laughs> but, <laughs> I you, was going to ask you who Sally Rooney well, is. but You're too old know. to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's for millennial women. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if you don't know who Sally Rooney is, she is a 30-year-old Irish writer um, and whose second novel, Normal People, was also turned into a very successful and very horny BBC Three Hulu series. Like there were Instagram accounts dedicated to one of the characters' chains that he wears when <laughs> he's naked and having sex and the only thing he's wearing is this chain. And there, anyway, it was released during the first lockdown where everyone was alone and horny at home, I guess. There's a lot of sex in this show. <laughs> it's really realistic. It's actually like it's the first time I've ever seen in a TV show where it felt like real sex. That Anyway, and then Sally Rooney's first novel is Conversations with Friends, which is also becoming a series on BBC3 and Hulu. Um, and speaking of succession, Shiv Roy reads Conversations with Friends on the beach in the second season. So, yeah, Sally Rooney is probably the most famous millennial writer in the world and... I naturally hate her because she's sturdy and younger than me and already achieved so much. What a fucking bitch. <laughs> but but I, we love her too. <laughs> but I was really excited. And this, is a, this, huh? is a, a, this series is, or this ep is about love. It is all about love. And like, I was really excited about her new book because I really love normal people because it was about these two people that can't get together properly but they find it impossible to stay out of each other's lives and, like, they're obviously deeply in love and they're the most significant person to each other, but they just infuriatingly can't make it happen because of enormous failures of communication. And I read it twice. I read the first, first time I read it, I read the first 80 pages on a plane to Melbourne. And I'm going to blame the altitude because I always seem to start weeping on planes, but I, I was going through kind of a hard time personally. I like sat there silently weeping for half the plane ride and I was trying not to make eye contact with any of the flight attendants. <laughs> and then the plane landed. I had to run to the bathroom and I locked myself in the stall and I lost it and I was crying like a fucking banshee. And then I'm, God help the women that were coming in and sitting next to me. Um, like Mark thinks that I cry all the time, but I don't cry at books like that that often. <laughs> well, um, you, you, like, you like a good weep. Uh, you've been known to weep as well, so... But, um, yeah, I also watched Normal People, the TV show in lockdown as well in 2020, and I cried like a ball at the end of that too. It's just really relatable and it moved me. But anyway, like what Rooney does really well, like her books aren't plot-driven per se. They're more like nuanced depictions of relationships and her writing is really simplistic, but it's like this style of simplicity. And people, Some people don't like her for that, but I do because I think writing simply is actually really hard. Like there's an elegance to achieving that. So her new book, Beautiful World, Where Are You? It's kind of similar to her previous work in that, again, it's about four people and their relationships. So it focuses on these two women who are friends from Muni and they're about to turn 30. One of them, Alice, is a famous novelist. So you start to think that she's kind of exploring her own fame during through this book. And then Aline, who is a not famous editorial assistant at a literary magazine, and the men that they date. Um, so Alice moves away from Dublin after she has a breakdown and she starts this sort of strange relationship with this guy Felix who works in a warehouse. And in my opinion, he's a pretty strange character. He's a bit of a dick, but anyway. 
Aline is in Dublin and she's sort of seeing but also not seeing Simon, this man that she's known since she's a child and is really her best friend. But he's sort of casually seeing someone else but clearly into Aline. But Aline thinks because he's seeing someone else, he isn't really into her. And while she's obviously in love with him, she's kind of scared to lose him if they have a serious relationship and it goes wrong. And so the book sort of alternates between what's going on with Alice and Aline's lives and in between the chapters are these really long emails that they send to each other where they discuss like life and art and the impending social collapse of the world around us along with all the romantic entanglements. And some of the emails are like on the borderline undergraduate philosophy, but <laughs> bear with it. <laughs> and like, but then in the last third of the novel, all four of them finally get into a room together and all of their relationships with each, each other are kind of tested in that process. So it's, it's a novel that dissects like friendship and love and sex. I mean, as I was saying, there's always a lot of sex in Rooney's novels. And I sometimes think that sex in books can be cringe, but this isn't. Again, it, it feels realistic. But I, like what mainly what this book is about is kind of grappling what is meaningful in our lives when the world is basically fucked, like <laughs> which is the perfect conundrum of our sort of COVID burning planet lives. I mean, we can dismiss love as trivial, but it's really all that's keeping most of us here and alive. And there's this pa- <laughs> and there's this passage in one of Aline's emails to Alice that I thought I'd read because it kind of sums it up. And then um, she says, maybe we're just born to love and worry about the people that we know and to go on loving and worrying even when there are more important things we should be doing. And if this means the human species is going to die out, isn't it a nice way to die out? The nicest reason you can imagine. Because when we should have been reorganizing the distribution of the world's resources and transitioning collectively to a sustainable economic model, we were worrying about sex and friendship instead because we loved each other too much. We found each other too interesting. And I love that about humanity. And in fact, it's the very reason I root for us to survive because we are so stupid about each other. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to read that book. I don't care what you say. I'm ready. (laughs) I liked it a lot. I mean... Maybe not as much as normal people, but it was good. And I didn't cry this time. I think I'm slightly more stable at this point in my life. Um, but there were some parts where I had to put the book down and sort of, you know, breathe. But there was no weeping. Um, well, maybe it was just you've been hardened by the COVID. Possibly. The <laughs> yeah, that's true. When I read Normal People, it was before COVID. And now, I don't know, I've become, yeah, I don't know, a raisin. <laughs> um. But one thing I'll say, some people don't like Rooney because she doesn't use quotation marks around dialogue. But if, I feel like if that's something that stops you enjoying a book, then you're a bit boring. <laughs> well, oh, look, I've got a friend who doesn't use quotation marks or uh, paragraphs or full stops <laughs> or punctuation of any sort. He sends me a long email and it's just it's, uh, it's laborious. Um, anyway, but it's funny. So I've read a book also. It's a, a book by Alain uh, Badiou. Uh, it's called In Praise of Love. It's not a new book, um, but similarly to yours, it's a book about romance or the declining notion of romance, which is sort of perpetuated by online dating and hookup sites and but to a lesser extent social media. When you say channel. romance, does that mean like courtship? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it's it's love. So, you know, typically online dating is promoted as an easy and risk-free alternative to actually dating. 
So the author came up with this idea when he was strolling through Paris and noticed posters advertising a French dating site, um, and he was troubled by the messaging. The site was promoting you know, itself with slogans like find love without chance and perfect love without suffering. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with online dating, dating sites ask you a bunch of questions and then uses those algorithms to sort of match you up with people who meet your requirements. Uh, the idea is that if you you avoid a lot of t- wasted time by going on dates with people you're compatible with. So like ordering a burger, you can be specific about what it is that's important to you. Things like, you know, the right body type, ethnicity, the right job, if they even have a job, religion, or the right values. And the reasoning behind that is that if you have the fundamentals down, then you've probably got a greater chance of finding love without risk of disappointment. First, yeah, but people no, don't know what they actually want. Like it's not well, a tick box. Well, I think they, I think they think they do, and I think that's what he's getting at is that, you know, the analog love. Let's just call that with the meaning of avoiding the digital dating world and apps and meeting people organically, either whether it's through friends, work, gyms, bars, parties, you know, however you meet them. But there's always that initial face-to-face connection. And, you know, if you like them, then it becomes that giddy courtship dance. Um, And look, the reality is finding a partner is a risky endeavor. Um, You know, love is a risky business. You're rolling that dice and hoping that they are what they appear to be. And, you become invested. And so in his book, he states that, you know, dating sites are kind of promoting two basic myths around love. And I've got a few friends, I've got quite a few friends who I think are addicted to dating sites. <laughs> got I think it's like a day. game. Tinder is like a game. Well, Tinder is kind of, that's not really a dating site. I think that's just a hookup site. But, uh, you know, I know people that have their whole, they've met on Tinder. Most people I know met on Tinder now. Really? Yeah. Well, the first myth is the the skeptical position, which kind of says that, you know, we call that we call love is nothing other than sexual desire in disguise, that love is an illusion. Um, It's just a trick. Our mind plays on us so that we fulfill an evolutionary purpose of having sex and reproducing. The second myth, which is perhaps more reasonable, is that love is real. However, they promote it as a form of pleasure and therefore not very important. The problem with the second myth is that it's completely self-obsessed and he goes into it in his book and basically he says that, you know, if you're someone, if you're with someone because of how they make you feel, you're not really in a relationship with them. You're in a relationship with yourself. And, and Badiou offers a third alternative, which true love is able to break us out of our lonely little pleasure-seeking bubble and helps us connect with something greater. You know, new experiences, people, cultures, you know, new relationships are, are all of that. It's kind of like this huge adventure. And I like where he comes from because I kind of talking to my friends who do a lot of the online dating, it's almost like they've lost sight of the bigger picture that makes sense. So in one of his chapters, he focuses on the word love, where he discusses that, you know, it's so powerful and sometimes difficult to say, but that those three little words are charged with so much intensity that it's difficult to say and that the word has the power to bind two lives together. So it's quite a fascinating read. I like his, you know, he's kind of got that French love thing about courtship Mm. and he touches on a whole bunch of other things, but have you ever online dated? Because mm, we were talking about this the other day, and then I was like, no, I never have. But actually, I 
did, which I forgot about, which is a really long time ago when on one date with one guy we went to the movies. And it was totally that thing where he didn't look like his pictures. And from the first moment I'm like, I'm not attracted to you, which is really superficial, but it just (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that's the But it's true. That's Um, the cover of the book, isn't it? If the if there isn't any honesty at that early stage, I mean what hope do you have? That's what I'm kind of saying. Like when you put in plug in all those things and you just think you know. Well, I want someone like this, and I want someone like this. You just you're taking out that what, that meeting just by chance or through a friend, where you actually have chemistry, and that's kind of what hooks you in at the beginning. I mean, what is just a, it? Maybe it is that thing about how you, they make you feel, but you have this attraction to them. And to be honest, like I don't think, oh, he's got a good job or blah blah blah. Normally, if you really love someone, those whether they tick your boxes is kind of irrelevant. I think. Oh, I think. Look, I, I don't want to date someone unemployed. No, that's true. I mean, within reason. Yeah, you've got, you've got to have some of those prerequisites, but that's why that organic stuff, like through friends, for example, you know, and I think that organic dating process is important because you're, you have friends and they have friends and, and we're all like-minded, I guess. So there, there's already, I think, elements of similarity sort of built into those sorts of meetings or those relationships that you find through friends. I had a a breakup years ago and uh, a friend of mine, Pauline, I went over for dinner and she said, I've got a gift for you. And I thought, you know, some nice gift to mend a broken heart. And she (laughs) gave me these four crumpled bits of paper and said, they're expecting you to call call them. <laughs> it was full on. It was like um, I found that very confronting and uh, and I really stopped at the first date because she was mad, <laughs> mad as that. It's kind of like a blind date, which I've been on one blind date and that was, again, because my friend lived next, lived next door to this guy who saw my photos in his photos on Facebook and said that he liked how I looked, I guess. We went on the date and it was just Again, it was awkward. We didn't have any, like, we didn't, I don't know, we didn't it meet organically and it felt weird. And I feel, look, and I have some friends who tick all those boxes, you know, that they've got great jobs, they're really attractive, they're, you know, intelligent, they cannot find love. Mm. And and I feel sorry for them. So they go on the dating sites and I think they're just completely disappointed. Then suddenly I think what happens is that it affects their, their self-esteem. Dating's a very funny thing, but you know, as the um, the author says, there is risk. There's always risk in in dating, putting yourself out there. But I think you have to put yourself out there to find that person. Yeah, and then I guess there's also this idea that well, people are afraid to get their heart broken and, and afraid of risk. But I think look, by getting your heart broken, it's not always a bad thing in, when you go into your next relationship. I think. If you've had your heart broken before, you're a kinder person if you then go to break up with someone later. Like all that kind of stuff and you learn about your th- yourself through your relationships which make you a better partner um, going forward and you also learn what you want from a relationship. Like obviously you've learned you don't want someone unemployed. But like you, no. learn- <laughs> you learn about yourself and like you learn a lot of stuff about yourself being single for sure as well but I think how you you relationships you can I don't know it can they can bring out the best and worst in in 
other people and in yourself and through that. I don't know. It's just. But don't you think that those those people who go on online dating sites and do a lot of dating, that they become desensitised? Oh, I think so. And, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like a game. And it, it it's just something you do because you're bored and open and flick through it and it's like you're not even really thinking about it. You're not really engaged. You have. And, look, and sometimes I think, you know, that um, that whole dating thing, you know, sometimes you'll meet somebody who may not, you may not be attracted to initially, but over a period of meetings or a period of time, you you do find they're compatible. And Well, that's true too. Like, if, yeah, if you meet someone through a friend and you keep meeting them and actually there is something there or you work with someone or like there's all different things where that happens, I guess. And Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. And then like Tinder, like one of my friends has like two lines and he just has them copied in his phone and then if he matches with someone, he sends them one of the two lines. And I'm like, this is the same conversation all Is that the, the guy with the two-tier friends at the party? <laughs> no. Sounds like there's a theme going on there. No, that guy is gay. and But that is funny. Like, So if you think Tinder is a hookup app, apparently gay men use, well, obviously they use Grindr for hooking up. But if they're on Tinder, they're looking for love. So it's different. <laughs> really? Anyway. I don't know. So, and what have you been watching? Um, so I've been watching Starstruck, which is on the ABC. Um, and I watched this during lockdown because in lockdown I couldn't stomach serious drama too much because I just needed to watch to laugh, to dull the pain. And one of these comedies was Starstruck, which is this BBC three rom-com created by and starring um, the New Zealand comedian Rose Matafeo. And which is on, it's on ABC iView here. Uh, it's, it's kind of like a gender swap Notting Hill for 2021, basically. And Rose plays Jessie, who's this Kiwi woman living in London. And she falls for a guy, Tom Kapoor. He's played by Nikish Patel. And she has a one-night stand with him on New Year's Eve, only to later find out that he is a massive movie star, but she didn't recognise him. But I guess the thing is that they kind of like each other and they want to see each other again. But obviously Tom being a movie star brings a lot of challenges into them actually getting together. Like Jessie brings him back to her flat after the second episode and her housemate slash best friend Kate is so awkward <laughs> and, like, hilariously overwhelmed by his presence. Like, when he goes to the toilet, she's like, you're going to go to the Oscars. Um, and, yeah, that sort of ruins the sexy vibe. So, but, like, it's a will they, won't they, of course, the whole time. I mean, it's a rom-com. But um, meanwhile, like, Jessie, she works in a cinema and as a nanny and just, like, basically in a kind of a bunch of dead-end jobs and her relationships so far haven't worked out and she's talking about wanting to go back to New Zealand. Like she's 28, feels like she hasn't achieved anything as she heads into her 30s and that the time that she's spent overseas is a waste. Um, <laughs> I'm 33 now, so I've lived through that. I mean, that's your Saturn return and the Saturn return is rough. I mean, Jesse and like, I are not alone. I mean, Adele just wrote a whole album, 30, about the experience. <laughs> But like, but like, I guess from her perspective, suddenly there's this movie star into her, and she feels super inadequate. I mean, at one point she says to him in an argument, 
when people see us together, it's fucking ridiculous. It's what, one of those weird animal friendship shows where you see a Labrador and a hedgehog who are friends and everyone's like, that's not right. That's weird. But if it works for them, that's great. And he says, I don't see it like that. And she's like, of course you fucking don't. You're the Labrador. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the show succeeds because it's the writing is really funny and dry and like Jessie is super charming. And I, I don't know, like maybe it's because she's Kiwi. It sort of feels like... Australians and New Zealanders and British people all have a similar sense of humour. And, like, her and Tom are really cute together. Um, and Variety just named Rose one of the 25 best performances of uh, performers of 2021 because of this show. And Starstruck was number nine on The Guardian's best shows of 2021. So wow. you're in safer well hands than just mine if you decide to watch it. <laughs> it's really funny. And it's they're only 20 minutes and it's six episodes. You can watch it in one sitting. And what was that on? ABC. 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 It's funny. It's been one of those weeks, hasn't it? I was off earlier this week. wasn't feeling well. Um, so I spent the day in bed and just stumbled on this movie. I think it's on Netflix. It's an American rom-com uh, called Love Hard. And look, I'm normally not a rom-com fan, uh, but kind of stars Jimmy O. Yang, who's a stand-up comedian, was in Silicon Valley, Crazy Rich Asians. He's also written a book, How to America, An Immigrant's Guide to Disappointing Your Parents, <laughs> which he must have done because his theme, I think even his stand-up routine, is that he's forever disappointing his parents. <laughs> um, there's Nina Dobrev, uh, who was in Degrassi, The Next Generation, The Vampire Diaries, and Harry Shum Jr., who was in Glee, Crazy Rich Asians, and Shadowhunt. The film was really cute and thoroughly enjoyable. It's about a journalist based in LA who writes, she's got a column and really the, the column is about her disastrous dates. Anyway, so she decides to expand the, the search radius of the app that she's using and matches with a, a guy called Josh Lim, played by Jimmy O. Yang. She forms a strong connection, you know, through long phone calls and they share a whole bunch of stuff and it's cute as and kind of, Quite realistic, the whole online thing, you know. So she forms a, a strong connection with this guy and then decides that she's going to surprise him and travels to Lake Placid, New York, where they live, to surprise him for Christmas. She, she eventually arrives and goes to the house and discovers that he's been, she's been catfished and that her handsome love interest is actually an Asian short man. Uh, he so he then reveals that he used his best friend's image and sets up a meeting between the two. She in turn lies about her interest in rock climbing to secure the hookup. Um, it's a lot of lies, but interestingly, interestingly, they explore what we just discussed. A lot of the online dating themes, you know, the lies, the traps. Uh, it's not a cerebral film by any means. But it was a great escape and touches nicely on the giddiness of meeting someone that you genuinely like. It was really cute and I'd probably watch it again. And it's not my thing. Look, like I said, it's not cerebral, but. <laughs> I'm only into cerebral things. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, it's this whole lockdown thing. You just want something that's light and bright. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, everyone I talk to, you know, they're sort of approaching this year's finish line and everyone's completely fatigued. Yeah. I don't know if I'd be so easily forgiving of someone who catfished me. Well, yeah. <laughs> Look, I mean, there's there's a woman on T 
TikTok scares the shit out of me. Oh, anyway, the one so she you ca- showed me. Oh, yeah. And so for those of you who don't know, it's this woman who I don't really know the purpose of her site, but she's really hot. She's got long hair, great teeth, great smile. Fantastic. <laughs> anyway, and so you get, kind of get sucked into this vibe of this really beautiful woman, and then she pops out a snapping teeth, right, and then and then takes her makeup off, and she looks like she's eighty and rides a broom. Yeah, um, and all she takes off her hair extensions and like everything it's is bizarre, gone. right? I mean, that's kind of being catfished anyway. Without like, I mean, but I, I just find. Yeah, when that you show me that, I realise I need to get better at makeup because like, she transformed herself so well. But imagine, I mean, what happens if you date someone like that, you meet them, you don't have any sleepovers, you never see them without any makeup, you never see them without their teeth in, yeah. right, or out. I mean, what happens? Like, <laughs> I mean, one day you're going to wake up and the truth will be revealed. Well, that's also it. Like, you, if you want to have a genuine relationship, you want to genuinely know that person, and that includes how, like, what they are like when they're real, and like nothing about that is real. And like that's the other thing I guess about online dating is that now you've got all these filters. Um, you can make yourself physically transform yourself and look like a different person, and it looks real. Like one of my friends, Trent, is obsessed with Facetune, and he's really good at it. And he facetuned these pictures of me and my friend Claire, and we put the I put them on my Instagram, assuming that as a like Instagram story, assuming that everyone would find it hilarious because it looked nothing like me. And people wrote me messages being like, "Oh my god, babe, you look so hot!" I'm like, "This doesn't. This is not my face." <laughs> I bet you it's your profile now. No, it's fucking not. <laughs> to me is so weird and like if people can people that know me and have met me in real life can see that and just think I've done my makeup really well I could fool like you can make yourself thinner you there's apps for guys to paint abs on like you can change put makeup on your face like I guess there's a look that comes with it but yeah it's just so (laughs) it's not real I mean that's it's a worry my next date I'm going to go out in a g-string just, just a G-string. <laughs> my boots. Nothing to hide, nothing to see. In the Mardi Gras parade. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, there's, like, memes of it now where people are face-tuning, like, uh, the Mona Lisa and stuff like that. And then she, Mona Lisa looks really, really hot and, like. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah, it's really All hilarious. the masterpieces. <laughs> so funny what people come up with. Um, so this is our fifth episode. Yes. Um, and if you like what you hear, don't forget that we are on Spotify, Apple, uh, iHeartRadio, and that, you know, you could, all the things, um, (laughs) and like us and follow us because we like you being with us. (laughs) What are our handles? What are our handles? I don't know. I I have love handles. (laughs) I have love handles. <laughs> That's all I have. Um, he will have hate us handles. for this part. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, always a pleasure, Jackie Keys. It's always a pleasure, Mark Cuban. See you next week. See you. We're on the tools.